Listen, if you dare, to the Lovecraft Tapes. Welcome to the Lovecraft Tapes podcast. This is K-16, Mulholland. I am Jeremy, your keeper of arcane lore, and we play Call of Cthulhu, a role-playing game filled with cosmic horror, existential dread, and the blank white balloon that drifts past your second-story bedroom window at two in the morning. Your investigators of the unknown are... Brian, as Ben McKnight. I don't think the salt's working. We need to think of something else. Lupine as Rosa Garcia. Hey, I didn't see you coming up with any other ideas, so. And Matt as Diego Kennedy. Uh, they don't need me in there. I'm, uh, you know, I'm just going to go over here where it's uh, not there. Strategically not there. Welcome, players. How's everybody doing tonight? I'm here. Yep. I know Matt's suffering from allergies. Brian's suffering from lack of sleep. Um, I'm suffering from just existence. Yeah, same. I'm just suffering from life. You know, I hear it's terminal. Nobody gets out of life alive. Well, you know, recently in uh, preparation for autumn, speaking of fall allergies, I cleaned off the exterior of our house and sprayed for pests, causing one particularly creepy spider about the span of a baseball to come out of hiding to let me know he didn't care for my cleaning routine. What's a skin-crawling critter you've encountered unexpectedly, either inside or outside your dwelling? There was a silverfish. It was probably three and a half or four inches long. It did the whole twisty, squirmy thing as it went down the drain. Bugs don't bother me. Spiders don't bother me. I can go up to a spider web, just grab it, and, you know, cobwebs. I, I don't care. But something like that, that it just doesn't look like it should be on our planet. Nope. I was watching TV. All of a sudden, I look over, and there's this house centipede. Of course, they look like they're three times as big as they are. Immediately had a... Ah, 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 ah. I have yet to find anything creepy and or crawly that actually bothers me. Like, I'm cool with, you know, snakes and spiders and anything in that. Like, it, they're cool. They do not bother me. There was a time way back during our last major family vacation, uh, we were doing a cruise through the, the Caribbean, and we stopped on one of the islands to do a, a walking tour of, like, a nature preserve. And as we were walking the trail, I was right behind the guide and he's like, oh, look, and he bends over and he picks up a tarantula and he turns around and he's like, here you go. And I'm like, oh, cool. And he puts it in my hand and I turn around and everybody else is about half a football field that way. A few weeks ago, we were uh, roasting a chicken in the oven and halfway through the cook time, we noticed a house fly or two buzzing around indoors. I got out the handheld vac and captured them, then noticed another and another and another. All told... I caught about two dozen flies. We have no idea where they came from, but might have squeezed through a gap in our screen door in a kind of ghoulish parade eager to sample our dinner bird. I thought you were going to say that you opened the oven and there was something inside the chicken. It's coming from inside the chicken. All right, uh, listeners, if you would like to drop us a letter from beyond uh, and tell us all about your creepy crawlies, please visit lovecrafttapes.com anytime and fill out our contact form. We accept well-considered criticism, funny praise, and even declassified Government documents proving the existence of UFOs once and for all. Long live the lone gunman. The truth is in there. This is from M. Forster. They say, well done, Lovecraft Apes. The prologue to case 11 of the Lovecraft Apes creeped me out so thoroughly that I had to turn the lights back on like a baby. Babies can't reach the light switch. Unless they have a clapper. New from HW Industry. It's baby lights. 
Lights made out of babies. <laughs> they open their eyes and it's just lights. <laughs> Uh, this show is brought to you in part by our generous fans and supporters on patreon.com slash Lovecraft tape. So thank you guys for all the support you've given us these many, many years. Uh, hopefully you'll continue to enjoy the bloopers and everything else. Uh, we just had a episode released today. I had some pretty good bloopers there at the end. And then, um, also we have a couple of secret tapes coming up. We were just discussing those pre-show. So we'll be getting some fresh content out to you guys very soon throughout the holidays. And by holidays, I mean Halloween because that's really the only holiday that matters for me well before we begin we need to take a quick commercial break and now a word from our sponsor hi y'all i'm cletus keister inviting you once again to this year's Keister Corn Maze and Hay Rides to get you in the mood for Sam Hain, or as y'all like to call it, Halloween. Apple cider? We got it. Fresh baked donuts? We got them. Ghosts and goblins hiding in the dead corn stalks? You bet your sweet Aunt Kathy. Keister Farms got all that and more. Now, I know what you're going to say. You're thinking, hey, Cletus, but what about the terrible accident that happened last year? Well, according to local law enforcement and the FBI, Keister Farms and all its subsidiaries have been absolved of any wrongdoing. Heck, we even posted a copy of that official proclamation at the entrance to the maze just in case you had any lingering doubts. No siree, Bob, we had nothing to do with the sickle-wielding maniac who started a hacking and a slashing through our loyal customer base, whether they be parents or grandparents or little tykes. It didn't seem to matter to that hockey mask-wearing psycho killer. He was just having a ball. Until the cop showed up, that is. Ooh-wee! They sure did fill him with a bunch of holes with all them guns. God bless America. Anyways, y'all can rest assured there will be no repeat of that performance, because I personally put up a sign at the front of our driveway that says, No Serial Killers Allowed. That should put an end to any shenanigans this year. Except the ones we planned our own selves. So, come on out to Keister Corn Maze and Hay Rides, just past the expressway and down Crystal Lake Road. Look for the big old oak tree with a lot of bloodstains on it. And we're back! If you were to seal that product and or service away in a time capsule to be opened in 100 years, what one other item would you pair with it to surprise future folk? A COVID test. A copy of an Are You Afraid of the Dark book. Just a single piece of paper that says it's too late. Well, for me, I would definitely include the Criterion Collection version of Citizen Kane, but inside the slipcase would actually be a disc of Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Because let's face it, the future wouldn't know any better. <laughs> 
Yeah, fuck those guys. Well, it is time, my friends, to play Case 16, Tape 8. Kappa, 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 Chameleon. Previously on the Lovecraft Tapes. There exists within nature strange permutations of evolution, hidden blissfully from the public eye, yet condemned to live at the fringes, ever watchful, waiting, hungry. Rosa and Ben attempt to confront the shambler that was once Peter Robinson only to discover they've arrived too late to rescue Counselor Tammy. Diego rejoins the group, but upon first sight of the leech zombie, the stress of his recent brushes with the unknown becomes too much for his fragile mind to handle. With fear riding high and the afternoon waning on, our investigators can only hope for a reprieve from yet more daylit horror. Rosa and Ben. The moment Diego cuts and runs, hurling himself out the back window of the barracks, your nerves are on high alert, jangling at the back of your head like warning bells from another dimension. In the other direction, blocking the doorway in and out of the barracks, Counselor Tammy stands clutching her head as if it might explode at any moment. She looks at you with wild, frightened eyes, her chin stained with bloody puke, mouth moving as if speaking silently. As you watch, Another leech slips from her lips, plopping onto the ground to join a half-dozen others squirming aimlessly in a pool of crimson. Would anybody like to read lips? Yeah, I can do that. Have at it. I rolled a 29 over 21, so that's a fail. I'll spend the luck. (laughs) I'm going to spend eight to make that a regular success. All right, and what does that bring your luck down to? Uh, My luck is at 30. You can discern three words from the mouth of Counselor Tammy. Drink your Ovaltine. The words are Nikki, Brigitte, Vampire. And then her eyes roll up in her head, and she falls face first onto the floor. You can hear the shatter of her nose as it impacts with the wooden flooring. And there's a loud crunch. And something goes skittering across the floor in a bloody smear to land 10 feet from where you stand. It is a lower plate with four teeth. That was the teeth in the bathroom. I'm going to try them on. 
I'm not getting anywhere near her. I think I'm just going to bolt out the window. Diego had the right idea. Tammy, are you okay? Give her mouth to mouth. I don't think I'm going to do that. Hey, guys, maybe we should use salt. Fuck you, Diego. You're outside. (laughs) I'm going to put my hand on Rosa's arm. We need to get out of that window now. So the two of you race to the back of the window and easily slip out of it. And you find yourself behind the barracks looking out at, well, the massive expanse of woods. Do I see Diego anywhere near me? You do not. Diego, where, where'd you go? Diego, where did you go? And your words echo into the forest and you hear a lone crow somewhere far away answer. Oh, hello, crow. Never more. Never more. Never more than once. But never again. God damn it. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. So no answer from your query. Did he like scuff up the ground or? Sounds like a track roll to me. Last time we did that, we ended up on the other side of the world. You should have taken that left turn at Albuquerque. Yes. I got an extreme success on track with a four under 31. You bend down and look at the many trails that are going off into the forest. Ben, stop looking at my butt. Those trees look great. Sure enough, you find evidence of someone recently having gone into the woods. Uh, It looks like whoever made the tracks was stumbling a bit. There are several broken branches and matted grass, not even a vague attempt to cover their tracks. He might have hurt himself diving out the window. I had a perfect 10-point landing. Well, did I mention the barracks was five stories up? I tucked and rolled. Parkour. It looks like someone went into the woods over here. Let's follow the trail. Okay, let's go. Let's see if we can catch up with him. He's going to need help, I think. Rosa and Ben embark upon the trail that they've discovered and go deeper into the forests. Diego, everything has gone red. You feel the throbbing of blood in your temples. The tempo maddening, threatening to pound your brain into raw meat. And you fight the urge to peel the flesh from your face. Instead, you focus on running out the window into the woods. The cooler air on your face seems to help, even as your heart flops and flails with the effort. You run faster, through the trees, deeper into shade, Surrounded by emerald silence. Lost. Sometime later, your senses return gradually. You're standing in a small glade. Pink and yellow wildflowers, hip deep all around. Bumblebees lazily bobbing from bloom to bloom, paying you no heed as they go about their business. Their constant buzzing drone overrides the surge of adrenaline in your system until you can finally take a breath again. 
please give me a luck roll. I needed a 54. I rolled a 30. That's a success. As you become more aware of your surroundings, you're a little surprised to find that your right hand is still gripping the bow and the quiver of arrows. Somehow, in your mad dash, you did not lose them. Ah, fuck. What am I doing with these? Throw them in the woods. You do have that momentary thought this bow and arrow could draw blood from something. And you feel your stomach turn. Take a moment and just sit down underneath the tree and lean my back up against it. And I'm going to sit there with the bow and the quiver of arrows in my lap, just looking at them, trying to fight that immediate instinct to just get it away from me or get away from it as far as I can. And as I'm sitting there debating what to do, I'm going to hear my dad's voice. And it's going to remind me of one of the very few times that I remember my dad ever showing any kind of emotion or real genuine affection towards me. Uh, It reminds me of when I was a lot younger, four or five years old. We had, of course, just moved to a new town, and the house that we moved into wasn't the nicest. The military doesn't exactly shell out for five-star hotels and Blaine Manors, especially for lower-level officers like my father and my mother were back in the day. And I was dead-on convinced that there was something living in the closet across from my room. I could, you know, I swore I heard something moving in there. The door was rattling everything. And I was so scared that I ended up running out crying to my dad, who was sitting at his desk doing some work at the time. And he sat me on his knee, and he said, I understand that fear can be a powerful thing, that it makes you want to curl up into a ball and just be as small as you can, that you almost want to disappear. And he looked at me, he said, but the real trick to dealing with fear is not running away from it, but leaning into it. While, yes, that can be a very unsettling experience using those emotions and using that heightened state that you're in, can not only make you better, but can help you turn that very thing you fear into a weapon against itself. And so he handed me a flashlight, pointed me back at my bedroom door and said, go get him. And so I slowly crept tiptoe across my room over to the closet, put one hand on the the doorknob and shaking a little bit of sweating going on. And then I flung the door open as wide as I could and shined the flashlight in there. And the only thing that moved uh, was a, a spider that was startled out of its web in the corner. And from that day on, I understood that, you know, you have to be careful that fear is something that happens. It's something that you can't really get rid of and you can't ignore, but that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be a handicap. And I'm going to take that sentiment and I'm going to sit out there in the woods under that tree and just kind of meditate on that for a little while to try and calm down. And it begins to work. You feel not only the cool air bringing your temperature down and settling your stomach, but that memory, one of the few good ones where you felt that your dad actually listened to you, helps to reorient your sense of being. It's almost as if the color at the edges of your vision is bleeding back in. And you take a deep breath, and a voice immediately to your right says, You know, son, I was wrong. Fear 
is something you should run from. And you look to your right to see your father leaning his back against the same tree, but half of his face is gone. You can see the outline, the singe of gunpowder, where a shotgun blast had decimated everything below his left eye. And he looks at you and says, What are you waiting for, boy? Shouldn't you be running? I'm going to very shakily hold up the bow and knock an arrow to it, take a deep breath and say, You know, it's been a long time since I've done anything you've told me. And I'm kind of figuring, why should I start now? I'm just going to hold that arrow pointed in his direction. And what's left of his mouth curls into a smile. You can see the teeth black and decimated in his ruined chin. And he says, that's my boy. And then he's gone. Carefully bring the arrow out of position and slowly let go of the string. Put the arrow back in the quiver so I don't hurt myself. And then I'm going to kind of look back and forth. Uh, this way, I guess. And start walking, attempt to walk back the way I came through the woods. Please give me a track roll. Uh, I needed a 40. I rolled a 53, which is a failure. So you embark upon what you believe is your trail that you came in on. Near the edge of the glade, the track splits in two directions. Did I take the road less traveled? The path to the right. Ben and Rosa. Yeah, you very easily follow along where clearly Diego had been stumbling and running. In some instances, it looks like he picked up speed. In others, he sort of wandered off the path and then came back to the path. And you go by a log that looks to have a single package of ho-hos on it. Creepy. Could that have fallen out of Diego's pocket? It's almost as if it's placed there purposely. Someone's setting a Diego trap. Make sure there isn't a box on a stick above the log. It's a trap! If I look around, do I see more? No, it appears that's the only one. And the path that we're following that looks like Diego went on keeps going. Appears to keep going by, yeah. I think he left us a treat to keep us so we have energy to keep going. But he was running pretty fast. Then who put that there? I don't know. But if we leave it there, it'll still be there at the end of the apocalypse, so... I will host for Sanity 2024. Okay, we'll get it on the way back and we'll share it with him, okay? I think we should keep following the trail. The two of you continue on the path. Soon, uh, you come to a fork in the path where it seems as if he may have gone either left or right. And Rosa, because you rolled an extreme, it is as if there are two sets of footprints, different sneakers, and you're uncertain which ones Diego may have been wearing. Roll for sneaker. The same one that you've been following veered to the left, but another one, perhaps a heavier person, the same size shoe, veered to the right. I'm going to go left. Continuing along, following what you believe is Diego's footprints. Ideally, we should find him first. So you veer left and come upon a clearing after about 15 minutes. 
It is a glade of sorts with a bunch of very tall wildflowers. It smells really good. Bees are buzzing all around in the late afternoon air. That one crow is actually in the treetops at the edge of this glade, looking down upon you silently. Once. Never more. Never mind. Just at first glance, there is no sign of Diego. No billboards or anything? Why don't you give me a spot hidden, both of you? I need a 45 roll to 17, yo. Hard success. I failed with a 65 over 25. Rosa bends down to try to get a better read on where the tracks might lead. But Ben is looking over the wildflowers and scanning past the bees and everything and notices something leaning up against one of the trees. It looks like it might be an arrow. I'm going to slowly walk over, see if what I'm seeing is what I'm seeing. If it is, I'm going to grab it. So you stride through... The wildflowers. Not the bees! And when you get within 20, 30 feet, you see that indeed it is an arrow. It's not leaning against the tree. It's actually in the tree as if someone had shot the tree with the arrow. I'm going to attempt to pull it out in a twisting motion, pulling as I twist to see if I can unlodge it because I would love to have something to protect myself with. Go ahead and just give me a dexterity. That sounds appropriate. I needed an 80. I rolled a 16. That's an extreme. I pulled the whole tree up by its roots. <laughs> you now have 63 arrows. Yeah. But you have to sharpen them. The twist and tug, you succeed. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the Lovecraft Tapes After Dark. Tonight's subject, the old twist and tug. Join us, why don't you? You ever been at a truck stop? You ever been alone in the bathroom of a truck stop wishing for the old twist and tug? Whoever shot it didn't shoot it with enough power to embed it very far. Maybe practicing or something. Okay. Hold it above my head and show Rosa. I got one! So uh, Ben now has an arrow and uh, Rosa. Uh, You're able to see that looks like Diego has veered off onto another set of tracks, has gone in a completely different direction. Assuming that he's not thinking clearly, I'm going to follow. So, Diego, you continue on the path, and soon you find yourself amid some dead trees. The forest has slowly shown that it has a bit of rot. So gradually, the beautiful glade behind you has given way to something where disease has stripped the leaves from the trees. Everything has a miasma of death and dying. There's a slight mist in the air, puddles filled with dead leaves, and the trail continues along deeper into this copse of withered forestry who turned on the disney villain switch feel like something's gonna jump out and go boo onward and we're gonna keep walking so you go probably another 20 minutes or so and it's becoming more and more difficult to continue on the trail the ground is becoming spongy beneath your feet and suddenly you remember tales of quicksand and sinkholes. As long as this isn't the swamp of eternal sadness. You're stepping gingerly from tree root to tree root, trying to keep on solid ground beneath you. Pretty soon you realize that if you forge ahead too much farther in this direction, there's a good chance you might be entering into a place where you might not be able to pull your sneaker from the muck. 
Don't worry, your best friend is not a horse. You're going to be okay. Betray you. It's time for a strategic retreat. I'm going to turn around and start walking in the opposite direction. I'm not doing this because of the forest. I'm doing it because I want to. You don't tell me what to do, Forrest. You're not my real dad. You turn around, finally fed up with this morass, and you see something to the left in a pile of broken branches. It looks like a human hand thrust outward from within this bramble. Well, that's a big fat nope. I would take out one of the arrows, stick it into the tree next to me, so that if I ever feel the need to come back out here, I might be able to find that again. That's odd. Looks like one of your arrows is missing. I must have dropped it somewhere. Somewhere over the rainbow. Make sure the arrow is safely in the tree, and I'm going to keep walking back out of this area. And as you pass back the way you came, keeping a keen eye on that bramble. I'm not falling for your tricks. You can't help but notice a mop of blonde hair. I know, man. My trap senses are tingling. There's a box hanging from the tree. Don't mind this. It's fine. Oh, no. Here's a sign that says it's not a trap. So, you know, it's all good. Definitely not a trap. Very carefully take just a few tree roots closer to the the bramble and see if I can't get a better look. It seems like there's somebody under the bramble, but they're quite motionless. You do catch a glimpse of pale, bloodless skin. Ah, hello. You okay? You want a ho-ho? Absolutely no answer. I'm going to pick up a long, sturdy stick, and I'm going to get closer to it, and I'm going to kind of start, like, poking at it with the stick to try and push some stuff away to see if I can't uncover a little bit more of the body. So you grab a heavy stick and push away some of the brambles that have been hurriedly used to cover up this corpse, which flops over, and you can quite clearly see the features of Nikki. Oh, fuck me. Rosa and Ben. We're just following this trail. After about 15 minutes or so, you find yourself in this rough clearing that has a bog at the edge of it that bubbles and burbles with algae-ridden muck. Sitting on a stump, reading a book, is Nikki. Hey, Rosa. Uh, Ben? What are you guys doing here? We're looking for Diego. Have you seen him? No. Uh, Not for a while, anyways. Did you check the lake? So I'm going to reach back and grip your arm really hard. Ow, Rosa, what you doing? Nikki is a bad thing. Okay. So you, you said to check the lake, you think? That's the last time I saw him, so... You want me to come with? I think we can find our way. Uh, what's with the arrow, Ben? I found it in a tree. Isn't that weird? Kind of looks like one of Diego's. Maybe he shot into a tree, like practicing. Where'd you find it? We found it in the woods somewhere and it lodged in a tree. You know, I'm not doing anything. I'm just reading a book, so I'll, I'll come with. It's a good day to read a book in the woods. It sounds really nice. And I'm like backpedaling as hard as I can. What, what, what's going on, man? I thought we were cool. You know, you just looked like you were you were having such a good time. You know, you were so peaceful here in the woods. Man, I'm so bored. 
Okay, I'm literally going to say, oh my god, what is that? And point behind him. Give me a psychology roll. Ooh, extreme. 12 under 60. In a world where everybody rolls extreme successes all the time. So Nikki goes, what, where? And turns around. I'm running as fast as I can. I'm turning around. I'm grabbing Ben by the arm and I'm running as fast as I can back around. You look back and there are just two like smoke impressions of where they were. Ben, pick your fucking feet up and run. <laughs> uh, why don't you give me a reach roll? That is a success with a 63 under an 80. You get a sense that you need to backtrack to that split and go the other way. And that's the direction you head. Now, you are probably about 40 yards from the clearing where you met Nikki when you just hear in the distance, Oh, fuck. Not again. The third time this week I've fallen for that. Diego, you're looking into a version of Nikki that if it had blood in the body and hadn't been out here for a day or two, might look quite a bit like the Nikki Brigitte thing that you've been dealing with. And you do recall Brigitte saying something about taking the brother out here somewhere. That's just wrong. You're pretty sure that this is the remains of the real Nikki. And you wonder what that thing did with the real Brigitte. It's times like this, I'm glad I'm an only kid. Try and gently move some of the stuff back over the body and then set the stick down and slowly back out of there and then start heading back out towards less sneaker-dangerous territory. So you backtrack along the path, and after about 25 minutes, you hear Ben and Rosa talking to each other. I didn't take the ho-ho. It was a vampire thing. What are you two mooks doing out here? Diego! There you are. We're not fig newtons of your imagination. We saw the Nikki thing. It was, well, it was, okay, so it was like Nikki, but it wasn't really Nikki. Oh, yeah, the Brigitte Nikki. Yeah, the, I get what you're saying. Guys, you gotta tell me what's happening. Rosa said a vampire. You said a Nikki Brigitte thing. What is going on? Diego wrote in my diary, which was super not cool. It's the only safe place I could think of putting that when no one else would find it. He wrote about Nikki and Brigitte are not actually Nikki and Brigitte. They're both some kind of weird vampire thing, tethered to some sort of swamp monster. When we were in the cabin earlier and Tammy came in, I could read her lips and she said Nikki, Brigitte, vampire. But they're like the same person. Nikki can be Brigitte... And Brigitte can be Nikki. It's, it's weird. They can change what they look like? Yeah. Like, it's like you're looking at Nikki, and then you'll, like, turn around, and then you'll turn back, and then it'll just be Brigitte in the same spot. Like a shapeshifter or something. Ben, show him the, show him the arrow. I found this stuck in a tree. This is one of yours, right? Uh, definitely looks like one of mine. I mean, I'm missing one. I'm pretty sure I didn't stop and shoot at anything, though. I just figured that I dropped it when I was running. That's weird. What do we do about them? I mean, they're turning everyone into zombie things with leeches, and they're going to come for us. They know that we know. Well, first things first, there is the matter of father, what do they call it? Father, mother, or something like that. Look, it's a big 
weird like swamp blob creature thing that they say they have to keep feeding which is why everyone keeps disappearing they're not like real vampires they don't like suck blood or anything but it sounds like they suck something wow where's this clearing at they're not draining it from like holes in their neck because peter had holes in his tongue they must be draining it through the tongue or something look i all i know is they're gonna lead their weird swamp blob parent thing down to the lake at midnight the lake that's where all the kids are so i need to take one of these arrows here and i need to shoot and i need to hit something at like the back of the throat to kill it and then they said once once i killed that that they would go off on their own and we wouldn't have to deal with them so they're just gonna leave do you trust them yeah they, they just told me that they just wanted the the mother father thing to go so that they could be free to leave this place that they don't want to hang around and you trust them at the time, is, is, I was like stuck there. If you had to say stuff to get out of there, that makes sense. But do you trust them now? She made me an offer to join them. You're going to leave and just join them? You're going to kill people? I mean, come on. Being a vampire can be kind of cool. You're always on the run. You kind of kill children. You're stealing people's lives. We'll burn that bridge when we come to it. Now you're burning bridges and killing people? Look, all I know is we need to get back to camp and be down at the lake at midnight to finish off whatever that weird monster blob thing is. What are we going to tell the kids? They need to go somewhere, too. Well, we could get them all out to the road, I guess. We have to worry about Tammy and Peter. I think Tammy's done for, honestly. The way she hit that floor, I don't think she's getting up. I mean, you said the same thing about Peter. I did. The way he hit the floor, he's not getting up. And sure, they got low. Is there a building we can barricade them in? I mean, we could try the cafeteria. We could try, like, the counselor's cabin. You saw what Peter did to that door. It was like it was nothing. I know which way is back to camp, but I want you to tell me which way is back to camp so I can tell you if you're right or not. I know you have to show me. No, see, I know and you have to show me. No, see, I know and I want to make sure that you Oh, know. I definitely know, but if you show me, then I can tell. As we walk out of the woods to the camp, we're like, no, I know, but you have to show me. No, see, I know that you know that I know, but you have to show me. So I know that I know. But I know that you know that I know that you know that I know. No, no, because you know that I, what were we saying again? Hey, look, it's the mess hall. <laughs> Stab them both with the arrow. Oh, no, blood. And sure enough, you find yourself back at the rear of the barracks where you departed from. I'm going to sneak up and peer in the window. See if Tammy's still there. You creep up to the window and peek through. It's a bit darker now because it is later afternoon, probably close to like four or five. The doorway is still wide open at the other end of the cabin. And there is a disturbing blotch of discolored liquid seeping into the floor, but no sign of any leeches or Tammy. You do spy the plate is still sitting there with the four teeth. See, Ben, I think she got up and ran away. Oh, what are we going to do? There's no way you're safe for these kids. Let's go down to the lake and see if they're still... Oh, that's true. If Tammy got down there, we might not have to worry about them. <laughs> I'm going to run around the cabin. And follow. And down towards the lake. Alley-oop. Parkour. So the three of you race around the barracks and come out into the main area, and you're immediately struck by how eerily quiet it is. 
As you look around, you can see the mess hall, the counselor cabin, the first aid cabin. All of the doors are wide open. And here and there, you can see blotches of blood. Except for Diego. He's purposely looking at this guy. Oh, wow. Does that cloud look like a puppy dog to you? (laughs) That looks like a puppy dog. Puddles of bile with leeches here and there that have been stomped on and destroyed. But not enough to make you feel safe. And you continue along over the lip that leads down to the lake. You immediately see a couple of overturned canoes floating in the lake, drifting, pushed by the wind. You see no one at the docks, but then you hear something shambling behind you. Whip around. Rosa whips around and sees Harcourt and Lindsay. Okay. Oh my God, Harcourt, Lindsay, are you guys okay? And they don't answer because they can't answer. Their eyes, dead and white, like the bloated underbellies of fish floundered on the shoreline. Their mouths slowly yawning open to spill out leeches. Tune in next time as we play another reel of the Lovecraft tapes. Well, hey, we don't have to worry about the kids. Well, we do, but not in the way we thought we'd have to worry about them. We're about to go Hawkeye up in this shit. (laughs) Oh, man, this is going to be bonkers. I'm not 100% sure how we're going to make it out of this one. TPK, TPK. Toilet paper kills? I mean, we could always just run away. We never speak of this again. So what's up with the canoes, though? Upside down, out in the middle of the water. I have a feeling they got jumped halfway across the lake. Oh. Oh, the leech is in the water. Yeah. Father mucker. It's coming from inside the water. Everybody out! Now it's time for some hashtag recommendos where we share some of our geeky obsessions. Lupine, start us off, please. I have been playing a game called West of Dead. It is a roguelite. You're a person, a man, a something. They don't really explain a lot when you start it. You're just kind of like, you end up in purgatory because ostensibly you're dead. I'd, again, they don't really explain like basically anything. Every time you die, you end up back in purgatory. And it's purgatory is like bar. One of my favorite things is walking up to the dude, the other person who's drinking at the bar, and they're just like, I just love how they say, but it's a really empty bar and you always start back there and then you come out of the bar and you're given two weapons, a rifle type one, a long gun and a short gun. And then you have to go through a bunch of rooms and you have unlimited ammo. They don't tell you where to go and they don't tell you what you're looking for you just kind of run through the rooms and shoot at the things you can do a lot of parkour fun things if you go up to just like one of the low tables or whatever they'll like automatically move your character so that they're like hiding behind it and then you can vault it there's a bunch of different enemies guys with guns dogs trolls with giant cleavers there's like no story at all and I am totally okay with that. The art style is amazing. It's that line drawings, they put it on cells. It's very cool. It's voiced by Ron Perlman. 
so there's like a group of levels. The first group of levels is like the first level of purgatory or whatever. And then you go to like the bayou. And I haven't beaten the bayou yet. The enemies are all different accordingly. Between groups of levels, you get to see a witch, they call her. You can spend sin that you've gathered from killing the enemies to uh, get permanent upgrades. So it's a roguelite in the sense that you die every time and uh, a lot of things don't travel from run to run. But then, of course, you get the permanent upgrades from which mindless fun. West of dead. Thank you, Lupine. And Matt, you are up next. I know that there are a lot of people, both in our little community as well as everyone out there in the extended community that listens to our podcast that are big fans of books. We all like to read books, find new books. Sometimes... You want to be able to read a book, but you just don't have the time, which is where audiobooks come in. They're really great if you are have a long commute or if you're like me, you're just more of an auditory processor than you are a visual one. And so for a while, I was on the look for an audiobook service, and I have actually finally found something that works really well. It is a service called Libro.fm, and what it is is it is an audiobook marketplace. However, the really cool twist is, is that when you sign up for an account, you pick a local bookstore, an actual physical local bookstore. In my case, it's a place called Two Dandelions Bookshop out in Brighton, Michigan. So every time I make a purchase on Libro, whether with just straight money or with credits, you can either purchase credits for yourself or you can sign up for like a monthly membership. But every time I buy one of those audiobooks, not only am I getting, I'm actually buying the book. I don't have to deal with any weird DRM where, you know, Amazon or somebody it might some point might go, yeah, no, and just take all my stuff away. I have those books. But also, a good chunk of the proceeds from your purchase go to whatever local bookstore you are supporting. So not only do you get the benefit of being able to shop a good range of audiobooks, but you get to do it guilt-free because you are actively supporting local bookstores. So if you're like me and you like audiobooks, but you don't want to support Amazon, go check out Libro FM. I mean, they don't have the selection I will admit that that they don't have the wide net selection that Audible and Amazon does because it's Amazon, but I have found more than enough books that have made it worth my time to support this company. Check out Libro.fm if you're looking to uh, pick up some new audiobooks anytime soon. Thank you, Matt. And guys, I'm up next and I'm going to say it right out loud. I freely admit it. I love barbecue sauce. I am guilty of slathering it on wings, drowning fries or tots with it, and of course, strategizing which flavor I'll be pouring on the next grilled hamburger or hot dog. Now, recently, a friend gifted me with something new, Bakken's Japanese Barbecue Sauces. The cold-filled vegan non-GMO small batches are available in original, hot and spicy, miso, and even yuzu. They're thin and more watery than other commercial barbecue sauces, making them ideal for marinades or thin glazing on meats or even dipping sauces. I'm partial to the hot spicy because I like heat, but the miso is so comforting while the yuzu adds a bit of citrus tang, especially on soup dumplings. Bakken's is available online or in specialty grocery stores, so if you dig a salty, sweet, soy-based sauce, give them a try. All right, uh, Brian, why don't you close this off? Everybody knows I'm a fan of anime. 
I've watched all of One Piece anime, which is a little hard to follow sometimes, and it's a little out there, and that's why I like it. But that's not what I'm recommending. I'm recommending the new-to-Netflix live-action version of One Piece. I was very skeptical because the story of One Piece, it's about pirates that are looking for the ultimate treasure called the One Piece. And whoever finds it first becomes the king of the pirates. So they get to rule everybody and all have to pay tithings and they will be the richest in the world. And everybody is searching for this and they're fighting each other to get it. They're fighting the the military who's trying to stop all of them from getting this because then they wouldn't have any power. But the little key twist in the show is they have, there's devil fruit that are in this world, in this universe. And if you eat one, it gives you a specific type of power to that devil fruit. And there's usually only one fruit that has that one power. Our protagonist eats the gum gum devil fruit, which allows him to become made of rubber, his whole body. But the downside is the ocean or the sea or whatever body of water you're sailing on, if you fall in, you cannot swim. You will sink immediately to the bottom and die. So all these pirates that have this devil fruit, if they go in the water, that's it. If you're into anime but uh, have a hard time following some of them where the intro song is three and a half minutes, the actual anime is like 11 minutes, and then the the outro song and a little blurb at the end is another three and a half minutes, (laughs) try the live action. It covers it very well. It does good character development. And the special effects are pretty damn good. And I believe there's... like maybe only one one or two actors in it that are semi-famous, but everybody is fairly new, which is cool. Check it out on Netflix. At least watch one or two episodes and see what you think. It's called One Piece. Thank you, Brian. And that's it for this episode of the Lovecraft Tapes. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on whatever podcast platform you prefer. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. Meanwhile, visit lovecrafttapes.com for up-to-date information about our podcast and subscribe to our live streams at twitch.tv slash lovecrafttapes or youtube.com slash lovecrafttapes. You can chat with me in real time at discord.lovecrafttapes.com. And if anybody happens to know Jeremy Renner, can you point him my way? Uh, I need some tips for how to Hawkeye my way out of a situation. I just need some advice on how to get out of a sticky situation when all you have is uh, a bow and a bunch of arrows. You can you can tell him to find me on both Mastodon and Blue Sky at The Real Weird Kid. I'll be waiting. Jeremy, call me. I don't know exactly. Hey, look over there. Oh, yeah. Go to my link tree. Link three slash loop, I invented all one word. And then look over there. Everybody that's out on our Discord, drop my name and I will go to Discord and look and see what you said about me. I need that distraction right now, so I'm begging you to do that. Thank you. Until next time, roll four. Oh, fuck. (laughs) The Lovecraft Tapes podcast is copyright 2023. For more information and sponsorship opportunities, please send email to podcast at thelovecrafttapes.com. Support the Lovecraft Tapes podcast and get access to exclusive content and rewards at patreon.com slash lovecrafttapes.